And we are live once again with the Crossroads Music Podcast. Ooh, that wasn't too bad. Actually, on the microphone, Eric, that one sort of sounded like static. Like when you unplug a quarter inch from like an amp or something, it sort of sounded like that. Um, okay. But, but not bad, not bad. At least it, it came out on the uh, the microphone this time. <laughs> Look at that shitty pour. Wow. It's okay. <laughs> For those of you uh, who want to see that uh, visual image of what a shitty poor Eric did, uh, we're here at twitch.tv slash the Crossroads Music Podcast live every Monday at 10 p.m. ET, 7 p.m. PT. Um, But yeah, uh, we're a weekly music podcast. Eric, how's it going? Good. How are you, my friend? I don't know today. I think I like screwed up my neck or something. So you're going to see me like struggle trying to look at my notes because my notes are like (laughs) to the right of me. But every time I turn right, there's like just pain going up my neck. So um, (laughs) this is going to be a a fun time for me. Um, But yeah. Uh, What's your drink of choice for today? It's fun. Oh, Oh, my drink of choice today. I was just going to say that it feels like it's been more then like because usually we've always taken like a break mm-hmm. in between uh, it seems like so but this is like back to back but it feels like an eternity that i've seen you i don't know why <laughs> yeah for some reason it's it's only been a week but uh according to the news uh it's been more than a week because there's a lot of things to go through but uh, i don't know yes uh so today's drink of choice is uh an old one i've had this on the podcast a couple times before uh, it's steampunk. I really felt like having it again. I will show you the label again. Ooh, that's it's, a nice uh, label. It's right near our house here, which is amazing. So it's literally like maybe a 15-minute walk to oh, wow. to the actual brewery, which is awesome. Make really good food there, too. I have so. a question for you. All these uh, local craft beers that you, you get, mm-hmm. can I find that in Toronto? See, that's that's the interesting thing, because when I was back there for uh, what it was three weeks ago now, I think so. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah, a little. Bit. I've lost all track of time. I don't so, know. Somewhere there. Somewhere. Whatever. There. It was pretty pretty recent. It seems like there's all these like little breweries showing up, like, um, you know, and I, I know Coors Banquet is a huge huge thing out there. It's like the premium Coors Light beer but then they're they're also dabbling in other stuff but i find here so the the thing with bc is everybody's a bit of a granola cruncher in some way (laughs) and and i mean that i mean that in the most sincerest way like everybody uses like all natural products everybody you like which is great for the environment right which is amazing i am pro that um but uh, even with their beers, it seems like they just use natural ingredients, which, um, you know, I, I feel like going back to like, as I've had Molson Canadian here and there or, or, you know, any other kind of like mainstream beers. And it just feels like it's really hard on your gut. Mm. Whereas here, it just seems like it's just so natural that like, like if I kept this in my fridge for more than three months, uh, it would go bad. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so there's that, it's just that natural naturalness about it. That's out here. And I don't know, it's been such a culture in BC here that I I don't think Ontario yet is ever or come coming. It's, it's starting, but it's not close yet. What it is out here. Got it. Yeah. No, because you see like, and, and I'm going to save this for when we have like a special podcast, what, what, whatever it is, but I'm going to get a growler of mm. beer, which is a huge, like, it's almost like a mini jug and <laughs> it's, it holds like five beers in there. So. Well, we, we are coming up to the hundredth episode pretty soon. Mm. Um, I actually don't know. This is, we're somewhere in the nineties right now. So we're, we're getting there okay. to the hundredth episode. Uh, Sounds like. Sounds like that's gonna happen, and yeah. I know exactly which beer I'm going to uh, to for show because it takes about thirty minutes to pour Jeez. into the jug. Jeez, um, just because of it, it, there's like a lot of foam build up in the keg, I guess. But <laughs> it's so freaking good. It's like probably my top. It's my second favorite beer. Oh wow! Definitely. 
Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, going back to the the ingredients, of course, like more natural slash just simpler ingredients, are, it's always going to make a better product instead of, you know, pumping preservatives in it. So I, I will agree with you on that one. Uh, Chasing Dryflies, yeah. thanks for tuning in. Yes, we are nearing our 100th episode. Uh, I keep track of it, but I haven't looked at it in a while. But we're somewhere in the 90s. It's crazy. Right now, somewhere there. We're pretty close to 100. 100. I don't know what we're going to do for 100. Uh, oh, I have to pitch you an idea, though. There is one topic I do want to talk about. I don't know if I can stretch it for an hour, but uh, I'll pitch it to you at some point and see what you think. Okay. Um, all right. So we are a music podcast, so we should probably talk about some music. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at this point. We're not a craft beer podcast. <laughs> yeah. so sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> uh, so, Eric, what have you been listening to for this past week or so? So... um actually i have a couple things uh so i'll go into the albums but uh last episode i uh left off with the day after which was the tuesday night i went to go see our lady peace uh and it was like a holographic before hologram before you continue that 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 was actually like it showed up in the news and people are just like raving about it so i do want to know what your uh your experience that's inter- like raving it. good or bad no good like there's articles all over just like these holograms are amazing and blah 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 but i don't know <laughs> if that's just like hype machine or not so i want to know what your experience was with the uh, our lady peace tours Fair with enough. their holograms and and basically what they did on the with these holograms okay i'll quickly go over the album because uh, there's only one album that I checked out, yeah. uh, which was uh, Vance Joy's uh, "In Our Own S- uh, Sweet Time." He has a new uh, album. He's the guy that did that. Yeah, it just released. Uh, oh. He's the guy that did "Riptide." For those of you who don't know, right. a big song on the radio. Um, uh, this album's actually really cool. Uh, it reminded me of just like a good folksy album, kind of like a modern day Bob Dylan. Uh, kind of style of writing like it, it was really well done i really enjoyed it um you know folk music there's nothing like it's mostly stories right. that's that are in it it's, it's like the lyrics which i feel like really drives folk music but uh i would check it out for sure 100 percent um uh other than that uh i checked out uh, the red hot chili peppers new single uh which is like almost like an extra single off this new album that isn't on the album uh, it's called Nerve Flip. Oh, maybe it's uh, so, like an outtake or a bonus track, maybe? It, it's like a bonus track. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the perfect way to say it, but they've released it now as a bonus track. So uh, I I actually like all the songs on the album. Like, I can understand why this didn't make the album. Because <laughs> uh, it, ju- it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. So if you check it out, you'll know exactly what I mean. Okay. Um. But going to the Our Lady Peace concert, so uh, I, I took a couple pictures, which I will show you what the hologram thing was. Because so I was a bit afraid, because when we were there, uh, my buddy and I, uh, he was like, "I hope the full band shows up." And I'm like, "I'm pretty <laughs> sure they will." Like, I think people would riot if they didn't. If they just phoned it up, in right? and just like, "Oh yeah, the bass player." Yeah, we're just gonna do it. the whole hologram thing. So they essentially had these two boxes on stage. So I'll show you a photo of what I took to kind of give you an idea of. So see those two, okay, light boxes. Yeah, so light like, boxes essentially. So uh, like, uh, oh. it's basically a panel facing the audience. Yes. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, essentially, um, at, at the beginning, obviously they had tons of advertisements. They had like, uh, project oh. managers, they had different artists show up like as the 3d Perfect. images while we were waiting for the show to start being like, Perfect. Hey guys, like blah, 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 blah. And then they have this new thing where you can scan this QR code and become like, you know, own that. a part of like, you know, like it was almost like that NFT I hate stuff this. kind I hate of thing that they're already. driving. You know, so, before, before so you continue, first, wait, wait, wait. Before you continue, you know what I hate the most? You know when you're at a festival waiting for the next band and the ads that play on the freaking stage yeah. and it repeats the same like five ads for the hour that you're waiting for this band? This is the worst yeah. experience. I hate that. It's the most <laughs> aggravating thing. Uh, anyways, continue. So, um, So essentially the show starts... All the lights come down, and then uh, Rain Maida shows up playing acoustic guitar on one of the little like 
squares. A holographic. Oh, so, so, so my not, buddy look. So not real rain uh, meta. It's not real hologram. rain meta. Okay. So so he's wearing he's wearing this thing. So I found out after that this is actually a live stream on the hologram, which is sick. So so, so some of the stuff some of the stuff was actually live. Other the uh, other stuff was actually pre-recorded. Okay. So. Uh, and, and I'll explain. So, so Rain Maida came out, played an acoustic song. It was really good. And then my buddy kept looking at me like, I don't know. Oh, I don't know if the band. I'm like, no, there's no way. So then all of a sudden on the second uh, monitor, if you will, um, the bass player shows up and starts playing with him for a second song. And then while they're playing, the guitar player comes out actually on stage and starts playing and i'm like oh yeah for sure they're gonna start playing a song and then the whole band's gonna come out right as like that's 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 what's gonna happen and he's like are you sure i'm like 100 percent. i'm 100 percent positive the whole band's gonna show up so well, i was right they came out after and did one man army as their full opener as as alive which i was a bit bummed out about because i've seen them before play with matthew good band and they were really good they had the crowd pumped up, but when they came out and played One Man Army, which is like probably one of their most pumped up yeah. rock songs, uh, I just felt like it was flat because he can't do the the high pitch sounds anymore. Really, he can't that, do the the yodel. Usually, but, but but here's here's the thing. So he came out and did this song, and I was a bit deflated because that's one of my favorite songs by them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, they didn't really do it justice. And then they went right into Superman's Dead. Ooh, and then nice he got the crowd pumped up and then he got pumped up and then he started hitting those high notes. And I was like, oh, why couldn't you do that with one man army? <laughs> he Damn needed it. a warm up. He needed a warm up song before he could do that. <laughs> exactly. But like I would say the th- the holograms were cool, but I feel like they were a bit gimmicky because mm. like it was neat because they had special artists come on i guess there was this girl i can't remember her name but she covered a song by our lady peace on the piano mm. um and it like went viral apparently on youtube and uh so so they were pl- so they had this girl play the piano she's older now but she's playing the piano on the hologram and then the band playing with her essentially and then they had another s- female singer come out and sing with them who i didn't recognize um on this panel thing but the cool thing i thought was interesting on how they really embellished this because it was more of a theatrical performance in the sense that um, spiritual machine won so i guess they got this guy i don't remember his name i should have done my research here before (laughs) even mentioning this okay yeah but but he he got this guy uh to come out on their first spiritual machine album so this is going way back and he predicted all this stuff that's going to happen with the progression of technology and so uh essentially he got most of them right most of his predictions were right of of how human behavior integrates with technology so throughout the show every three songs you'd have this guy show up on one thing and then you'd have this like android essentially girl like so like uh, an artificial intelligence like Siri, essentially, if you will, mm-hmm. on the other screen. Cortana. And then, so the machine is, yeah, Cortana <laughs> is talking to the real scientist guy or mm-hmm. whatever he is. And she was asking like, so she's asking how, why humans behave the way they do, why they think, why they rely on technology. So it was, it was interesting just because they really hit home that, they're trying to push that we rely so much on technology that we can't enjoy what's in front of us Mm. essentially. And, and the fact that like, like it wasn't that long ago in history, like we didn't have telephones even, and we would have to go to people's houses and actually interact (laughs) with people in order to talk to them. Right. Whereas now it's just so like convenient that it's like, we're so integrated into it that it's, like if it fails, we're all screwed essentially. <laughs> so it was it was interesting to do that, but it was funny though because obviously some people weren't in it into it. Oh, they were into yeah. the rock concerts, so you'd mm. have people like heckling Rain Maida. <laughs> <laughs> At least in the Nanaimo show, they did. They were just like, like I guess when they sh- when this hologram shows up with a guy. Yeah. talking to the ai like this one guy in the audience kept saying nobody cares bill gates <laughs> like it was pretty it was really funny 
<laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Wow, okay. So I I guess I guess you're right. It's more like a theatrical performance rather than a full-blown rock show. It's more geared to like a it was, a stage show. Yeah, and and it was really it was really cool because it, it was just interesting the way Rain explained it on stage because he's like, I really want you guys to just like because there's a message in the show which which that was the message right mm-hmm. like you're trying to like right but but it was interesting how he even said that because of COVID and everything technology has even advanced a little bit more because people are able to work like like when are you able to have like virtual concerts right like right. nobody would ever thought of that right until yeah, covid yeah. right so so it was interesting the use of his technology but also like sending that message that we've relied on it so much but interesting but uh, here it is it was it was it was really cool it was really cool but, wow okay okay it it'd be interesting to see w- which bands or if it even picks up if like more bands are going to put more of a like a stage show on uh, rather than like a full blown like rock concert, I don't know if uh, I don't know if there'll be a lot of bands that shift that way. Like having a a succinct message rather than just like a, a greatest hits tour type of thing. Yeah, I thought the holograms, like the use of it, was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like especially when they had these musicians come out and play. Like right. I I couldn't tell you which ones were real and which ones were but. Apparently, some of them were actually like, uh, were actually live streamed, so the guy couldn't make it for whatever reason, and or they decided to do this preemptively. But uh, like the only reason why I thought it was a gimmick because I feel like it was just still like you know it's behind a screen still, like it's in a right. box, and they're only right. showing up in the box essentially. But right. hmm, interesting. But I mean, like it what it, it is cool because it's just like hey, like Elton John's at home or something like that'd be neat. Right, right, we can right. live stream him on stage. Yeah, for for a single song, like you wouldn't fly him over just for a single song, but this might be a cool exactly. way to do it. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, need to catch up on chat. Uh, Eric, what are you drinking? And Luton, thanks for joining in. Uh, Luton, I'm drinking Longwood Steampunk Dunkel. It's a Dunkelweizen, as the Germans say, um, and it's uh, it's made here in Nanaimo. 15 minutes down my street so very nice and then uh chasing dragonflies there are ads at festivals yes if you've ever like it's hard to miss there's ads everywhere at festivals because i think historically festivals don't really make money other than like Mm -hmm. uh reading or glastonbury like the really big ones like typically music festivals don't make money so they need to supplement that with ads um the more common mm-hmm. ones are like the banners that you see on like the security gates. Those are the most common ones, but like you'll also have ads on like on the stage and the on the backdrop just playing all the time, which pisses me off, which is freaking annoying. <laughs> it is annoying because he kept he also kept mentioning too like like it was everywhere in the concert, like the QR code, like join the join the Our Lady Peace like revolution, and it's like I'm not, I'm not sorry, I'm not doing it. Yeah, that's sort you of can get a poster, get a digital poster, an NFT poster. Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't care about the NFT poster. Thank you. Yeah, but now that takes sort of the immersion out of it. That's sort of stupid. Um, mm-hmm. cool. Well, it seems like it was a at least an interesting show the our lady peace concert with their holograms yes i definitely performance wise i would say the last time like i saw them with matthew good epic unbelievable this one it was good i was entertained but it wasn't as good as that last show i saw Mm. okay okay um eric anything else you've been listening to other than that that's it man sweet that's it uh nothing from my side really to add on uh rise against did release a new like surprise ep it's titled nowhere generation 2 uh it's a five song uh record basically it's like the b-sides that they didn't include on nowhere generation i guess nowhere generation one uh which was released in 2021 i believe if not early 2022 i think it was last year though 
Uh, it's all right. It's a bunch of B-sides, to be honest. So if you're into Rise Against, uh, worth a check out. I just feel like their past maybe three, four albums sort of sound the same to me. Uh, they sort of mm. just do the same song over and over. But uh, I don't know. It's all still like good sounding. So they're sort of like turning into this ACDC at this point. It's just the same songs over and over. <laughs> they're good, but I don't know. It's repetitive. Hmm. Uh, cool. Uh, let's move on. Today in music history, let me just update the screen. There you go. So today is June 30th, or sorry, June 13th, wrong date. Uh, Eric, on this day, historic, very important legendary musician was born in 1963. Paul DeLeslie, bassist for Smash Mouth, is born in exter ontario canada i did not know the bassist from smash mouth was canadian i didn't know that either <laughs> interesting but yeah 1963 well that's that's the only good thing smashing pumpkins has going for them no no smash mouth smash mouth yeah. oh, oh smash, <laughs> mouth. smash mouth famous for their oh, song all star oh. he just threw his he threw his career away then <laughs> this guy <laughs> honestly they must have made so much money on that song all star that's played shrek everywhere yeah if it wasn't for shrek they would be no one <laughs> Uh, 1969, at a press conference in London, Mick Taylor is introduced as the new guitarist of the Rolling Stones, replacing founding member Brian Jones. Uh, 1970, Uriah Heep released their debut album, Very Evy, Very Humble. Uh, Rolling Stone critic Melissa Mills says she'll commit suicide if the group makes it. What? You, 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 I heard that she'll commit suicide and then it glitched out. Oh, sorry. I will read that. Rolling Stone critic Melissa Mills says she'll commit suicide if the group makes it. Whoa, wow. <laughs> That's saying something. That's so rude. That is completely rude. Uh, but Uriah Heep obviously made it they're still around they're still touring actually so anyways um 1986 uh skipping along big band leader benny goodman dies at the age of 77 you know what we don't have this like in today's age sick ass clarinet players mm-hmm. like mm. we got kenny g <laughs> Kenny G plays that that too. We don't actually have sick ass saxophone players either. But um, no, yeah, <laughs> the, it looks like a clarinet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's not a lot of uh, like reed players. I wonder why. I wonder why that's not. I feel like, like I feel like thing. the clarinet is like the grown up recorder. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if I should update the counter for this. I feel like you're offending uh, clarinet. Did players. I wait? Wait a minute. Did that we're already at number two. What yeah, you've, number you've already said some outlandish things from the beginning. Uh, what was, it? What was the, number the, one? The first one is everyone here in BC is a granola cruncher. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, everybody knows that though. (laughs) Everybody knows that here. That I feel like that's just common knowledge. The clarinet is a is the grown up controversial. Is the the grown up recorder? Uh, Yeah, chasing dragonflies like Squidward. Squidward plays the clarinet, but we need like real famous people that play the clarinet. (laughs) <laughs> well squidward is famous yeah i but will i will give chasing dragonflies that he's fictional i need he's fictional but i need the, <laughs> i need the next rock star to, or the the next i don't know hip-hop star whatever r&b star to be see, a clarinet player see that's why it's so ridiculous like it's the grown-up recorder because it's, it's in a cartoon it's it's appeared in a cartoon <laughs> i just want more clarinet players to become famous that's that's my life goal. Um, 19- it's, it's funny. I should I, I should really talk because I started playing the clarinet before I played the saxophone. So. Yeah, the the clarinet is uh, once. Yeah, the clarinet's the starter, and you get to saxophone after that. But uh, yeah. I don't know. 
1989, <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Great rockabilly piano player. I don't know. I have sort of mixed opinions on that. For me, I feel like he's a one-hit wonder, to be honest. One-hit wonder just because great ball. He has other songs. but <sighs> He has other songs, but as soon as he married his cousin, I feel like he didn't really contribute Yeah, that was a little to... bit strange. <laughs> but that's kind of like Tom Cruise, right? Tom Cruise, amazing actor. But Tom Cruise didn't guy. marry his cousin, though. <laughs> No, but he's but he believes in space like space aliens that are gods. <laughs> so that I can I can accept that one. Uh, anyways, nineteen. <laughs> for some reason, I put this uh, in the wrong order, but we're going one year back, nineteen eighty eight. Paula Abdul's debut album "Forever Your Girl" is released. Uh, already an accomplished cheerleader and choreographer, the album produces four number one hits: "Straight Up," "Forever Your Girl," "Cold Hearted," and "Opposites Attract." Actually, Straight Up by Paul, Paul Abdul, Abdul is a sick song. See, Uh-oh. it's funny because I remember when American Idol came out. I I knew I knew who Randy Jackson was. Oh, you knew who Randy Jackson? Okay, okay. I would right? have, th- and I knew okay. you, you Simon up. Cowell. Simon Cowell. I've just I heard things. I remember hearing things about this person. Didn't know he was British, but anyways. Mm. And then Paul Abdul are like, there's this famous pop singer, Paul Abdul. I'm like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I knew who Paula Abdul was because uh, like all her songs and stuff. Randy Jackson was the one I didn't know. For mm-hmm. some reason, Randy Jackson's like, I don't know who this guy is. Simon Cowell, you know why I knew who Simon Cowell was? And this is going to be the strangest, why? strangest fact. Simon Cowell was the producer for the Teletubby soundtrack. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's, that's why when they said when they announced his name or whenever that show aired, I was like, "Oh, the guy who did the Teletubby soundtrack." <laughs> that's his claim to fame, eh? Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's a weird fact, but uh that's how that's how I associated him with um <laughs> Uh, anyways, <laughs> 1995, uh, Ridiculous album comes out. Canadian singer-songwriter Alanis Morissette releases Jagged Little Pill. Great album. So good. Uh, go look back at one of our episodes. Number, throw out a number, Eric. Number... 35. 35. Episode <laughs> number 35, where we <laughs> where we review Jagged Little Pill. <laughs> We we haven't fact checked that, so <laughs> go listen to it on Spotify. Just find episode thirty five. Um, Nineteen ninety. This is the one thing I love about this podcast is we go by the seat of our pants sometimes. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Nineteen ninety eight. During the Dave Matthews Band uh, set at the Tibetan Freedom Concert in Washington D.C.'s RFK Stadium, concert goer Lisa Selfin is struck by lightning. With help from an off-duty para- paramedic, she is revived and eventually makes a full recovery. Hmm. What are the chances of you getting struck by lightning? I guess it's an open field, and if you're in a thunderstorm, could happen. <laughs> you're holding metal. <laughs> on purpose uh luton you never thought you'd put Simon cowell and tell tubbies in the same sentence he made a career out yeah of i it. didn't think that either luton. <laughs> i actually, would never think that he either. did a lot of i think television stuff like music related television stuff i think mm-hmm. that's like a lot of his early uh resume uh year 2000 june 13th Sinead o'connor releases faith and courage her first studio album in six years it's too bad her career sort of never sort of went downhill after the whole pope incident because uh (laughs) her music was like pretty freaking good i never actually had a chance to listen to that so yeah no i never kept up with her stuff um but like her early her early music was like really really deep. Um 2005 after a 5 month trial Michael Jackson is cleared of all ch- charges of child molestation. Do you remember that trial when it happened? 
I remember that. Yeah, it was crazy times. That whole thing. That's a hard thing to come back from. Yeah. Like yeah. especially when you're going through like that's because it's always like, well, did you or didn't you? Yeah. Like. Yeah, court of public but. opinion is hard to to win back at after that. Uh, and finally, uh, sort of similar, uh, 2008, R. Kelly is uh, acquitted of all charges in relation to his six-year challenge of child pornography. So, obviously, R. Kelly. that was the first, first trial. And then afterwards, you know, he was found guilty, but mm. whatever. Uh, anyways, that is Today in Music History, June 13th. Um, Eric, have a bunch of news to go over with you. Um, but um, over this past week, someone very important and dear to us, Ringo Starr receives an honorary degree from Berklee College of Music. So now he is Professor Ringo Starr, or Dr. Ringo Starr, I should say. Really? He's a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) He's a doctor. Yeah. Um, I mean... I think based on famedom, right? Like he's just so high up there. Yeah. That I I understand his position. I yeah. I really do. But like would you rather have him teaching you how to play the drums or anyone else? Or would you rather have like someone like Neil Peart right teaching you how to play the drums? Yeah. I feel like uh a drum lesson from Ringo Starr isn't really worth that much. <laughs> uh, Chasing Dragonflies, you were talking about Michael Jackson earlier today. I mean, once you get into the topic of Michael Jackson, it's just like a can of worms because it's like, do you just like look at the art he's produced or do you also include like his personal life into it? It's such a like a can of worms discussion when it comes to Michael Jackson. Um, Eric, how would you like to waste a bunch of money? Uh, so Liam Gallagher played a gig at, uh, Nebworth last weekend and there was, uh, reports of traffic chaos due to the show. However, the more significant piece of information that came out of it, someone has put up an eBay listing for a patch of grass that he took from the field during the show. The starting price. (laughs) (laughs) The starting price started at five quid. So, you know, nothing. But the highest bidder currently on this patch of grass from Liam Liam Gallagher's show. Please don't say. Please don't say above 100,000. 40,000 pounds. 40,000 pounds for a patch of grass? (laughs) At the Liam Gallagher concert in Nebworth. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, <laughs> I need, what are you going to do? I need to go to what every concert do? and just take patches of grass and put them on eBay. <laughs> That's like, but who's buying this? Like, is this just some <laughs> crazy person that has dirt for his lawn and just getting buying these patches of grass from different venues and just plopping them in his lawn. <laughs> so he's like, oh, this is from this stadium. I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, if you want to own this patch of grass, uh, you're going to have to go beyond 40000 and outbid uh, $40, this latest. Are so. you kidding me? 40,000 pounds, For British pounds. grass. <laughs> You know what you can do? You can go to Home Depot and buy a patch of grass for like, <laughs> just like a square thing for like twenty bucks. There, there's your patch of grass. You could probably it's probably cheaper than that. You could probably just go to your local park and just take some grass from there. Yeah, why don't you? Why don't you just get seeds and grow your own <laughs> patch of grass for like a very very significant price? But that patch of grass hasn't heard Liam Gallagher saying. That patch of grass. <laughs> you know what? It's probably he probably bought bought it. Like realistically, he probably bought it, put it in his lawn somewhere, and then the sun probably turned it brown and killed it. So <laughs> there's forty thousand dollars just just set on. 
Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to that grass. Anyways, uh, if you don't want to waste your money, well, maybe this is a waste of money, but a less waste of money. Tenacious D are now selling fiber bars. In partnership with food manufacturer Nugo, the bar is called Fiber Delish and comes in peanut peanut butter chocolate chip flavor. It is 12 grams of fiber and 160 calories per bar. Uh, I don't know why Tenacious D are now selling fiber bars, but you can sell or you can buy Tenacious D fiber bars now. So this is supposed to be like a health bar, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because Jack Black is which fat. is interesting. Yeah, and so is Kyle. Oh yeah, Kyle. Yeah. Kyle gasses too. Yeah. So I, I mean. It's a strange, it's a strange <laughs> band to be selling. It sounds like bars. we have a new, sounds like we have a new, uh, you know, mukbang to review here <laughs> oh, no. down the road. Are we just going <laughs> to order a box of this and try it out live on stream? Maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> um, in other news, Foo Fighters have uh, made an official announcement regarding Taylor Hawkins. Uh, looks like there'll be a series of tribute concerts to take place in his honor. The first will take place on September 30th at London's Wembley Stadium, and the other will be September 27th at the Kia Forum in Los Angeles. The lineups have not been announced, and no word on who will play drums if the Foo Fighters do play the gigs. That would be tough. Yeah. That would be so tough. It'd be cool if they somehow got Alanis Morissette to perform uh, at these gigs because Taylor Hawkins was the drummer on Jagged uh, Little Pill. So that'd be pretty cool. I, I can see her doing it. that. I can definitely see her doing that. Yeah. But who would play drums for the Foo Fighters? That's the thing. It's got to be Dave Grohl, right? I Well... If they're playing a full Foo Fighters set, maybe not. Like, he's definitely going to be playing drums at some point. Like, I can't imagine yeah. Dave Grohl not playing drums at that tribute, um, those tribute gigs. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, doing actual Foo Fighter songs, uh, I don't know who would fill in. It's got to be someone close. Point. It's got to be someone close, I feel like. Anyways. Uh, Johnny Depp and Jeff Beck have released their lead single. Uh, it's called This Is A Song for Miss Hetty Lamar. Uh, their album will be titled 18 uh, and is due for release on July 15th. The album will be 12 tracks, mostly covers, but there are two Johnny Depp originals on the album. Oh, interesting. I listened to the song. It's not bad. It's sort of, I don't know. It's like nice sounding. That's how I would probably describe it. It's like nice, but it's mm. nothing like groundbreaking or anything. Johnny nothing, Depp has yeah. a decent enough voice. Uh, he's singing on the track, but it's nothing like groundbreaking or anything. Interesting. It seems like just a project for fun. That's how I would probably like, you know, describe mm. it. Um, okay. oh shit, I don't know if I want to get into this. Okay, let's let's just do let's just do this because I, I might regret bringing this topic up, but we'll see. Uh, okay, so we generally have a policy on this show not to mention this award show just because we think it's shit, but the topic itself actually is surrounding this award show, so we're gonna have to break that rule. The Grammys have announced new categories for 2023. Uh, so the new categories for next year are Songwriter of the Year, Best Alternative Music Performance, Best Score Soundtrack for Video Games and Other Interactive Media. I actually like that category. Best Americana Performance, which we could discuss that. Uh, best Spoken Word Poetry Album. Um, I'm going to leave this last one uh, for, for later. But can we just discuss... Um, these new categories songwriter of the year i feel like is not that offensive right like i feel like we're on the same page here that it's like yeah. that's fine best alternative music performance for me that doesn't make any sense like i don't understand so the description of the actual like award is like just blanket statement best best alternative uh artist uh and and like their album basically which I don't know what that See, means. Alternative Because music. that reads, like, if you were to just read that category, it sounds like it's just a live performance. Like a live. 
Yeah, no. It's rendition, not. but yeah. Yeah. No, my issue is the alternative category. Like, I don't understand what is considered alternative at this point. Like, it's definitely not alt-rock. Like, it, so I don't know what alternative yeah. music stands for. So I have a problem with that. Well, that's the thing. When you browse alternative on Spotify or Apple Music, it's just like you could get like a rock sounding alternative or you could get like just a alternative that sounds so ridiculous that you're like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, best score soundtrack for video games and other interactive media. I think that one makes sense because like, you know, video yep. games have like incredible music in it, but don't get the, the same recognition. Um, best Americana performance. I don't know if we need best Americana performance. Cause yeah, what does that mean? That's to me. Does that mean just anything in the in the states? Yeah, like to me, that's a very like regionalized category. Uh, and I feel like country music sort of country music and folk music sort of overtake that, anyways. Right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think we need that one. Um, and then best spoken word poetry album. Fine. That 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 makes sense to me because there's Bill Shatner needs an award one day. So, <laughs> um, okay. Here's here's my here's the one award category that they have announced, which I have major issue with. the The new category is best song for social change. That's the new category. So basically, here, I'll read... Yeah, I have a problem with that. I'll read you the the actual official description of this. This special merit award will be determined by the Blue Ribbon Committee and ratified by the Recording Academy Board of uh, Trustees. Submissions must contain lyrical content that addresses a timely social issue and promotes understanding, peace-building, and empathy. See, I have a problem with that. Not based off of what it stands for but more so on the fact that as a band or as a musician when you're making an album i don't think you're like at least i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm dumb but i don't think i'm just like you know what i vote for the electronic category this year at the grammy so i'm gonna write an electronic album like like you're literally like whatever you're inspired by that's what you're inspired by so you're gonna write music like so a band like uh, i don't know let's take rage against the machine right maybe they'll fall into that category right right but but then it's like well what about a band like uh i don't know acdc right like they're just gonna make rock music, right? So, 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 so I mean, like it, it's, I don't know. I the, the, like you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the problem I have with this award is like, you know, obviously there are going to be there definitely should be musicians who are you know do their music, promoting, changing the world, you know, social change, all that stuff. But, like, do we really need an award for that? Like, if you're going to be a John Lennon and releasing Imagine or Rage Against the Machine or System of a Down, you know, bringing light to war-torn areas and stuff like that, this award's going to the song that made the most impact already. So, you know, that song already has eyes on it already has like i don't see the merit in having this award promoting a song that has social change like elements to it like yeah i don't know my favorite one of my favorite groups is public enemy and if like fight the power like was released today like i don't see why that needs to win an award specifically for social change like if you told me that's the best song of the year yeah for sure like that's a freaking amazing song but like specifically mm. because it, you know, promoted peace, uh, you know, or or brought to light social injustice. Uh, I think it's a weird category to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a definite. Yeah, I think if a song has you know 
mm-hmm. has the ability to actually impact society in a positive way to that impact, that should just go into the song of the year category, right? Like if that song is good enough yeah. to actually make a change in the world, it should be just song then of the it year. Should, yeah. Right? I agree. And 100% like, I agree. I think that should be actually a, like, I hate it when song of the year goes to like, uh, and maybe this is bad because Justin Bieber has health issues right now, but I hate it when song of the year actually goes to people like Justin Bieber or like a Katy Perry or like, just like a pop star because the song is big. Right. I think a cat like song of the year should have some sort of societal impact, a positive societal impact where it like, you know, change yep. some part of society in a positive way. Like that should be part of the category for song of the year. We shouldn't have song of the year. Like, if the cat if the category was biggest song of the year fine i'm i'm good with that but like song of the year sh- the like criteria for that uh, element should be social change in there already it should be baked in so i don't think we need yeah uh, a split off category for social change specifically i agree i don't know it's I don't like it. I mean, I already hate the Grammys. This is why we've banned the Grammys from the show in general. So like, uh, it's all bullshit anyways, but I do have a problem with this, with this uh, award. Uh, But Chasing Dragonflies thinks it's a nice award to give uh, for people singing about change. It's nice. Sure. But I I just don't think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should just redo all their categories. Like they're, they're not doing a good job over there. <laughs> um, uh. Anyways, let's move on from that because uh, uh, we spent way too much time on that. Um, positive news. NFTs are on the downswing. Early in the year, on a weekly average uh, basis, there were nearly 1 million NFT sales in a given week. Uh, but, t- but today, that has dropped to a quarter million in, in any given week. So... A very sharp decline in uh, NFT traffic, which I think is a good thing. Mm. I don't, I, no one has given me a good argument as to why, specifically for musicians, why like we need NFTs. Well, it just shows you if it's declining, then why are people buying them? Like, obviously, <laughs> it's just a bad investment. Yeah, I don't, I but. still don't see why. Um, my NFTs are thing. I forget who it was, but recently, well, famous musician and I can't remember who it was. They they released an NFT, and then it might have been Jack White actually. They released an NFT, and then some interviewer asked them like, "Why? What do you think about NFTs?" And he basically said, "If someone's dumb enough to buy this, then might as well do it and make some money off of it." <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm pretty sure that was Jack White. I could be wrong there, but yeah, it's it's so dumb. Um, yeah, chasing dragonflies. What are we gonna do if, if your NFT? Yeah, like you can't do anything with it. It's stupid. Um, in uh, slightly funny news, the LA Angels uh, baseball team were on a 13 game losing streak. So to flip the script, or some might say flip their silver side up, they changed their every player's walk-up music to Nickelback. <laughs> so a batter would come up to the plate and they would blast Nickelback as they were going up to the plate and doing the warm-up. Um, unfortunately, the LA Angels would not score a single run in the game and would uh, extend their losing streak to 14 games. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's that's like brilliant. I don't know why they that's thought brilliant. changing their walk-up music to Nickelback would have helped them. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to try something. It's actually interesting because I think uh, there's a hockey team here in BC that play that song. Uh, play Nickelback? Uh, no, not Nickelback. Uh, that Irish band, the chick singer. Uh, Cranberries. That's the name zombie cranberries yeah zombie yeah they play that as their pump-up song which which doesn't seem like a pump-up song it's not it's like the horrors of of uh of ireland (laughs) and famine and war (laughs) which which is funny because they're like i guess like the story goes that the 
I, I got to find out what the hockey team is, but essentially the 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 players have never heard the coach said something like it's like the song a zombie by the cranberries and the team's like i have no idea what you're talking about because they're all young and so they so he played the song and and they have adapted it as their theme song the team so which which is interesting but (laughs) you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't uh Rolling Stone magazine has labeled Notorious B.I.G.'s debut album Ready to Die the greatest hip-hop album of all time. The magazine ranked uh, and released their list of 200 greatest rap albums of all time. Outkast Stankonia came in at number two. Jay-Z's The Blueprint at number three. It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back by Public Enemy at number four. And Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly at number five. Uh... Eric, I'm pretty sure you don't have like a strong opinion on this, but I'm sort of furious, to be honest, uh, at the top five in general. But uh, I'll, we'll leave it at that just because it'll just be me uh, pontificating uh, <laughs> one way. So, I disagree yes. completely with uh, this top, well, the one spot and the top five. But um, anyways, let's let's move on. Um Kiss have been caught using backing tracks for Paul Stanley's voice. Uh, So Eric Singer, their drummer, uh, accidentally played two bars too many. Uh, So the backing track was out of sync uh, for Detroit Rock City. Um, Which is funny because Gene Simmons has been an outspoken critic of backing tracks (laughs) or pre-recorded vocals in general. He's always been like, that's not rock and roll. Uh, But Kiss have been caught using it, so... Interesting. What are your ah, thoughts well, there on? There you go. What What are your thoughts on uh, bands, live bands, uh, using backing tracks? It depends on the scenario, mm. right? Like it depends on it whether it's like some unique sound that's constantly played throughout the song that needs that can't be implemented, you know, implemented with the band at that time, um, but to replace the actual instrument of that band member it's 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 a pretty tough sell yeah because it it kind of takes away from the live performance a bit right yeah in my opinion right like like you're going there to see like if you're a diehard kiss fan you're going there to see kiss you want to see the band play regardless of how old they are or how (laughs) shitty they play right like you're there to see them live and then so like i respect a band that plays like like even when i remember going to see aerosmith and steven tyler's voice wasn't as obviously like he can't sing like he used to at the time but it was still cool seeing the band right but he still gave it his all right like even though some parts are like i can't hit that note but good for him for trying but like i i would be upset if he just played vocals over it because then it's like well, I'm just listening to... I would go just listen to the album. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like David Lee Roth and Van Halen. Like, he can't hit those high notes anymore, but he still, like, you know, attempts it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Kiss? Eh, I don't know. Uh, I'm sort of on the fence for it. Like, sucky that they got caught, but it's also Kiss. I'm like, mm, I feel like you're there for the fire breathing and the, the pyro. <laughs> that that is true that is true but i feel like especially if you're an advocate and you're like oh fucking well you know backing tracks are bullshit right i feel like then it's like you do backing tracks and then it's like okay well okay monster man (laughs) (laughs) uh chasing dragonflies wants an episode where i do the top five rap albums of all time okay we could do that i could we should That'd probably do yeah we should probably do an episode i i won't be able to contribute to this at all but <laughs> uh, from the albums we reviewed on this podcast i think i i have like <laughs> that that is the knowledge i'm throwing into that but sure <laughs> yeah maybe maybe one day um i'm gonna leave this last news uh topic for next time because it's more of a discussion point because we are nearing the end so eric we do we're oh. nearing the end time so I'll give you the choice. We could either do Rocksteady, the album review by No Doubt, or we could do Thief, which has been on hold for like four weeks now. 
You know what? I uh, I feel like we need to leave this up to the audience. Okay. We can ask who who let's, wants let's to ask do the audience. Who wants to do uh the album review Rock Study by No Doubt or uh Thief or No Thief uh for yeah. this week. Uh and Eric, uh Chasing Dragonflies wants you to do a top 5 country albums of all time episode. Done. Maybe I we can definitely do that. <laughs> we could probably do like a joint episode, half the episode hip hop, half the episode country. That's not a bad idea actually. That'd be good. Or we can go back and forth and really just fuck with people's minds because then it'd be like, wait a minute. I thought this, they were talking about hip hop and now we're on country. <laughs> Completely different genre. Yeah, that might be a, a pretty good idea. Yeah, maybe. That would be a good idea. Uh, so far, no responses in chat, but I feel like we should. Oh, no. She's enjoying album review. album review. Okay. We'll do the album review then. Sweet. So we will put a hold on uh, Thief till next week. Uh, so for this week, we are reviewing Rock Steady by No Doubt. So this is actually the second. We did Tragic Kingdom last time. So I think this is the second No Doubt yes, album. Yes, we did. Okay. Rock Steady is the fifth studio album by American rock band No Doubt, released on December 11th, 20, sorry, 2001. The album was written and recorded in Los Angeles, San Francisco, London, and Jamaica. The album has a focus on electropop, dancehall, and new wave. No Doubt's previous tour supporting their album Return of Saturn. Uh, every night they would throw after show parties where people danced to Jamaican dancehall music. The band decided for this album that they would explore dancehall style rhythms for this album. The, uh, the band members often did not play their standard instruments, thus the album's instrumentation contains less guitar and bass compared to their previous work. The album would go on to sell over 3 million copies worldwide. Rolling Stone magazine ranked Rocksteady number 316 on its 500 greatest albums of all time. So, Eric, thoughts on Rocksteady by No Doubt. You know, I actually had high expectations for this album. I've never listened to this. I, I recognize the very first track, Hella Good. Um, everybody's definitely heard this track. You may not know the name or who it's by, but you've definitely heard it <laughs> on a radio station or a commercial or something. Yeah. Uh, but I was a bit disappointed because I think I was expecting like something similar to Tragic Kingdom. Mm. and and it was just like that kind of ska reggae funk and and i just didn't get it from this album mm -hmm. it was kind of a bit deflating mm -hmm. if, if you know what i mean like like especially so the song underneath it all i really like the chorus couldn't stand the verse really oh wow what you don't like yeah. the verse on the on, underneath it all yeah oh wow for for me underneath it all is a standout track for me uh i don't i can't i don't have an aversion to the verse but i think it's like one of my favorite songs on this album but no that's interesting that you couldn't stand the verse yeah like like it's like there's parts of this album that i like but i i think i was just expecting like another ska album mm. right there's, and there's i just like, didn't get that yeah, there's there's but, much less ska elements on this this album. It's very much more uh -huh. dance hall, new wave, electro pop, much more polished. Um, yeah, like the I, the album starts off really strong. I think um, I could do without the intro track. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't really care about that. Uh, but hella good. Hey baby is like such a sick song on this album. Um, yep, I really liked underneath it all. But then after that, it's like. I got. I found myself bored. Like a lot yeah. of the songs, it's like mm. it really like. Yeah, and I and I don't know if this album like like even though like I did like the top half of the album more than I did the bottom half for sure, but even if you took those few songs and mixed them up, like I I don't know if you'd have like a groundbreaking album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like 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 I I understand like the 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 lead single on this album definitely is uh, hella good like 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 i i recognize that song like childhood for sure but i, I just feel like i i don't know it just 
Like, I, I feel like you could start to feel the decline of the band <laughs> from this album. <laughs> Is that is that that's not controversial? No, that's not that's that's not controversial. Okay, that's fine. Um, okay, I thought you're you're typing away there. No, 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 like, no, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, I also found the album disappointing. Uh, like, just like you, I was expecting more of a Tragic Kingdom thing, and maybe this is just like old old man complaining like argument because like <laughs> I I. I want my band to to stay the same and play the same music all the time. Like, I, it might be that <laughs> argument, but like, I did mm-hmm. find myself bored. The the B side of this album, I I just like tuned out. Like I, first time, second time, third time listening it from front to back, I don't remember what the the second half of this album sounds like because it just didn't grab my attention. There was like a few parts, like in my head, the intro is pretty cool and don't let me down. I think the intro was cool there also, but like yep. nothing really grabbed me at the, the end of this. Um, I really liked just the, the lead singles on side A, but after that, it was like, meh, whatever. I don't, I don't know what, I don't really remember any of these songs. Uh, I, again, like, like there were parts of these songs that I liked individually, like like intro or licks here. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But as a song in total, like it just kind of like other than the singles, it kind of lacks a bit of, yeah, you know, memorability. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, and I love no doubt. No, I mean like some of these songs are great, but yeah, this album mm-hmm. just didn't do it for me. Uh, okay, so let's do our final <laughs> ratings on this. I feel like it's gonna be low, but Eric, what's your what's your rating for <laughs> Rocksteady? Uh, I'm gonna give this a four out of ten. Oh my god, why is it so low? <laughs> I don't know. It just I feel like it really disappointed me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really low for yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Um, I'm I'm actually gonna give it. I think significantly higher than you. Uh, I'm giving this a six out of 10 uh, just because okay. I think like there are classic, no doubt songs on this album that really, you know, <laughs> it really does carry the album. Like, like some of these, some of these songs are just like hella good. Hey baby. Like, man, like if you went to a no doubt con- concert and they didn't play those songs, I don't know. Like those are like, you can't, not play those songs um mm-hmm. so just on the base like strength of those songs i'm giving it a six but man yeah mm. the album overall was definitely <laughs> a, a letdown like there's no re there's no reason to listen to this album front to back they're like there's nothing mm-hmm. there to to put yourself through that <laughs> um all right so sort of disappointing but you know sometimes sometimes you run into one of those exactly <laughs> uh okay perfect so that was our review of rocksteady by no doubt for uh next week for those of you who are following along with us we are going to be reviewing 1989 by taylor swift Ooh. this is a big album actually Ooh. i mean i feel like most taylor swift albums are pretty big but this one's like really big album uh taylor swift our secret like our closet favorite artist <laughs> yeah because we seem to talk about her a lot <laughs> yeah. it's hard to it's hard to avoid the biggest pop star in the world that we mm-hmm. also respect at the same time because yeah like yeah the things that she's done like like all, all our fans out there watching this show we're like hardcore swifty fans as they say who <laughs> yeah. are like signed up or like She's she's coming to their towns. <laughs> Honestly, if her ticket prices were not like outlandishly expect uh, expensive, I would definitely go to a Taylor Swift concert. But I'm not paying 300 bucks for like balcony seats. There's no yeah, way. Yeah, I There's agree. No I would totally. I would actually go see her for yeah. sure live. Yeah. So I'm not gonna pay that that price. Uh, must <laughs> chasing dragonflies thinks that our score for uh rocksteady was the lowest ever i don't think so because i gave def leopard minus 100 i feel like minus 100 <laughs> out of 10 pretty sure i gave hysteria def leopard. a negative score exactly. 
Um, <laughs> cool. Let's uh, close this off. Uh, controversial statements eric you made two this time around everyone here i in feel BC, like that first one isn't allowed because everybody knows that <laughs> everyone here in bc is a granola cruncher and uh the clarinet is the grown-up recorder <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a clever one come on that's pretty good uh all right oh. perfect uh so that's our show that's uh, this was the Crossroads Music Podcast. We're live here at twitch.tv slash the Crossroads Music Podcast every Monday at 10 p.m. ET, 7 p.m. PT. One day I'll get that uh, smooth. Uh, <laughs> one day. Um, Luton says Squidward would be disappointed about clarinet uh, comments. <laughs> it's okay. He's not real, so it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> But yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. As always, uh, catch us on Spotify, Apple Music, all those other places. Uh, And we will see you all next time.